This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Church, I love you. It's so good to worship with you this morning, and I want to invite you to grab a Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 13. We're wrapping up a sermon series called Delighting in God today. So if you're just jumping in with us, We'll be back in the book of Luke next week, um, but I want to uh, invite you to grab a Bible, turn to um, Matthew chapter 13. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there's some black Bibles scattered in the, in the chairs there. Um, just take one of those as a gift. Take that home. We would love to give you a Bible and for you to enjoy. Um, but once you found your place to Matthew 13, would you just hold your Bible up? Let me know you got it. Let me know you're ready. Let me know you're believing God's going to speak to you through the sacred scriptures this morning. Um, just hold it up in faith. Let, let you holding your Bible up just be the expression of faith that I believe I'm going to meet the living God in the sacred scriptures this morning. This is a, it's a sharper than any two-edged sword, and God loves to speak through his word to his people. Right on? I see you, church. All right, Matthew chapter 13. Uh, verse 44. Uh, one verse, it's a parable. Jesus speaks in this parable to pack a punch, and I love the way Jesus teaches. Um, so let's look at this, and we'll move, it, move through it pretty quickly uh, this morning. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy goes and sells all that he has, and buys that field. Would you look at it with me and let's read it one more time. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Let's just ask God to speak to us. Father, speak to us by your spirit, through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm titling this morning's sermon, um, He-Man, an intercom in the kingdom of God. And that'll become clear in a minute why I titled that. But He-Man, an intercom in the kingdom of God. And in this one verse, I just want to make three brief observations about the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is speaking about. He's trying to describe the kingdom of God. He speaks in a parable so to, to, to drive home this point about the kingdom of God. So he says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, then in his joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field, the kingdom of, of heaven. What, what is Jesus talking about when he talks about the kingdom of heaven? Well, in the most simple way that we could describe it, it means the rule and the reign of Jesus. That, that's the most, like an oversimplification of the kingdom of heaven, but it's where the rule and the reign of Jesus presides. So, so if, if you've received Jesus as your Lord then the kingdom of heaven resides in your life. And every time we repent of sin and we turn from sin and turn to Jesus and we let Jesus rule in an area of our life, the kingdom of heaven steps into our life in a fresh, in a fresh way. Um, we, we see that the kingdom of heaven are those places and those, um, those expressions where the rule and the reign of Jesus is clearly seen and experienced. That's the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, well, what's so great about the, the rule and the reign of the kingdom of heaven? What's so great about the kingdom of heaven? Well, the greatest thing about the kingdom of heaven is the king. 
It's Jesus. That's what's so great. That's why the kingdom of heaven is a treasure. It's because the king of the kingdom of heaven is Jesus Christ, the son of God, the one who had no beginning, the one who spoke the universe into being, the one who put the stars in place and calls them by name, the one that went to the cross for us, the one who died for our sins, the one who smashed our sin, left it in the grave, and rose victoriously to forgive us fully, to leave our shame and our guilt in the grave. That's who Jesus is. He knows you and he loves you still, and that's a miracle. Come on, somebody. And that's why the kingdom of heaven is a treasure. It's because there's a king in the kingdom of heaven. His name is Jesus. In this whole sermon series, what we've been seeking to do is to paint a picture of how good and glorious Jesus is. My prayer and my aim has been that you would see with spiritual sight that Jesus is the most wonderful being and thing in the whole universe and that nothing else compares to him and that Jesus alone can satisfy our souls. So that's why we've been looking at these scriptures that say, in God's presence is fullness of joy, at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's why we've been looking at Psalms that say, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's why we've been looking at scriptures that say that that God is the fountain of living waters. It's because we've wanted you and me to be able to see once again, afresh and anew, and for some of us, for the first time ever, that King Jesus is the only one that can satisfy the deepest longing of my soul. So we've looked at this reality of broken cisterns where we create all these broken cisterns and we turn to all these other things, sometimes good things, sometimes sinful things, to try to find satisfaction. And so we've reminded ourselves we can't find satisfaction in anything else other than Jesus. And if we look for it in a person, we're just going to frustrate ourselves in that person. (laughs) And if we look for it in a thing, we're just going to frustrate ourselves and we're not going to find it. We're going to make an idol out of all these other things. But when we find it, listen... When we find our satisfaction in Jesus, peace, joy, bubbles up in our soul. So the real goal, here's the whole whole goal of this sermon series, has been to move you and me into a rhythm, a daily rhythm, a weekly rhythm of, of deeply, daily delighting in God, of opening up the sacred scriptures, reading them and hearing from God, praying and pouring out our heart to God and enjoying his presence. That's been the goal of this whole sermon series, and that's the goal of this morning. Is it somehow the sacred scriptures that the Spirit of God would speak to us and give us a vision of God that's so great, that's so desirable, that we begin to pursue Him. We begin to seek Him. Not out of duty, not out of obligation, but because we love Him. Out of delight. And so what we see is Jesus is describing the kingdom of heaven as a treasure. Um, And I want to look at three quick observations about the kingdom of heaven, this treasure that Jesus is talking about. The first is that it's hidden. The kingdom of heaven is hidden. Some of you are like, no kidding. It took me 40 years to see it. Right? Some of you are like, I wandered for 40 years and I looked in everything, everywhere else, every place else, every person else, looking for satisfaction. And I never saw that the kingdom of heaven was a treasure until I turned 40. And you may feel like, you know, you may feel like I wasted all these years. But you know, the Bible says that God will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. It's a beautiful promise. It's a beautiful promise. There's, you know, we just sang this morning, God brings beauty out of the ashes. So if you feel like your first 40 years were ashes, God will bring beauty out of it now, today, in his presence. His mercy is new every morning, the book of Lamentations says. But, but it's hidden. So 
That's why we do Disciple Now. That's, that's why we do small group Bible studies in homes over the weekend. Yeah, it's our hope that the Spirit of God will take what is hidden and make it plain and clear to our students. It's why we pray for our lost friends. They don't know Jesus yet. They're not walking with God yet. They're not worshiping God. And we pray for them because, because their sin nature blinds them from seeing the beauty of Christ and seeing the wonder of God. And seeing who God is for them. In other words, the kingdom of God is hidden. And none of us see it because of our sin until the Spirit of God in His grace opens our eyes. Hallelujah. And so every one of us have a story of, I was blind, but the Spirit of God convicted me. He opened my eyes to see that the kingdom of heaven is a treasure. That the King is incomparable. That there's no one like Him. That only the King Jesus can save me. And we turned our heart. We trusted in Him. And we had spiritual sight. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. So that's why we gather in this place and that's why we pray. We're not going through the motions. We're begging God, give people spiritual sight because your kingdom is hidden to the natural man. And Jesus is describing the kingdom of heaven. He's like, it's like a treasure hidden in a field. And a man finds it. And when, listen, Jesus said, when he finds it, he has to have it. So much so that he goes and he sells all that he has so he can come back and buy that field. Now, what's, what's that about? When I was a kid, um, how many of you played, dudes, how many of you guys played with G.I. Joe? You can admit it. You're like, that's why I'm a soldier today. I was G.I. Joe at four years old, right? Okay, I see you. All right, how many of you were like uh, wrestlers, like Hulk Hogan was the man? Oh, yeah, macho man, right? Slap into a Slim Jim, I see you. Okay, uh, so I had a little bit of wrestling you know, deal, but for me, I was like He-Man, Masters of the universe, right? You know, I have the power, Battle Cat, you know, and I, like, I had all those, you know, He-Men. It was probably half demonic, I don't know, but I was all in. He-Man was my dude, right? And um, my favorite dude was, was a figurine that I didn't yet have. And his name was Stratus. And what made Stratus so awesome? He was ripped like He-Man, but Stratus could fly. Here's a picture of Stratus. Check him out. Oh, my gosh. This is just like blast from the past. Anybody? Am I taking you back? And I can't remember if it was like Easter or Christmas, but I was dreaming of Stratus. Um, but to let you know how old I am, like I was in Clarksville before the mall was built. Do you know what I mean? You're like, that is old. Yeah, like I was there when it didn't exist, when it was cool, and now it's like totally over the hill, right? Right. So you, like you know you're old when you're there at the beginning, and now it's, you know. So I was there at the mall, and so we just didn't have the toy stores, like even here, like they did in Nashville, right? So when we go to Nashville, I knew it was on. And so we're in Nashville. I think it's like a few weeks before Easter, and I'm on a mission to find Stratus because they didn't have him in Clarksville. So mom's off at the department store, and I'm digging through the toy store, and it's almost like I come around aisle three, and there's like a glow coming from aisle three, right? It's almost like there's music playing. I can hear it. I come around, I go down, and I find Stratus hanging on the. There it is. I'm like, oh my goodness, it's Stratus. And it was the last one. It was the only one. So you know what I did? I, I did exactly what the guy in the parable, Jesus, told us. I dug, you know like how they, they have the bin of these cars? I dug the biggest hole, and I took Stratus, and I stuck him in the bottom, and then I, did, I built this mound of cars on top of Stratus. Because mom was at the department store, and I didn't want another kid getting it. And so I made a beeline to mom, and I was like, they have Stratus. <laughs> Easter can happen. It was, it, was, it was hidden 
He was hidden. And then he discovered it. And he had to have it. He had to, he had to have Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. This is why we pray. This is why we share the gospel. This is, listen, this is why we don't get angry at lost people for living like lost people. This is why we don't get angry at those that don't yet know Jesus for living like they don't yet know Jesus. They're blind. They're blind. If you want to be angry with somebody, be angry with yourself for not telling them about Jesus. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like it's hidden from them. They can't see it. So we get the privilege of helping them see, of helping them see what a treasure the kingdom is. So the kingdom is hidden, but then we see that it brings joy. It brings joy. Look at this with me. The kingdom of heaven, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Digging that hole. Don't want anybody. I gotta have it. He, he covers it up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. In his what? In his joy. Friends, don't miss this. Don't miss this. The journey that we're on, we're blinded to the glory of Jesus. We're blinded to the goodness of Jesus. We can't see how great Jesus is. But when the Spirit of God starts working in our life, we begin to get a glimpse of how good he is. And when we begin to get a glimpse of how good he is, when we discover, when we begin to taste and see the goodness of God with all of our spiritual faculties, when we begin to understand the promises of God, that it's because of Jesus all my guilt is gone, because of Jesus all my shame is gone, because of Jesus I'm forgiven of my sin, and in God's presence I actually experience and encounter greater joy than in anything else in life. Joy. Joy comes up. It's, it's joy. It's joy. So what we want you to know and this has been the whole aim of this whole sermon series, is that God is for you. He's not out to spoil your fun. He wants to fill you with joy. He just knows where it's found, and it's found in Him. Amen. Kingdom of heaven. It's like a treasure in a field that brings joy. Let me ask you this morning, is Jesus a treasure to you? Is He a treasure to you? Or is He just a taskmaster? Is Jesus a treasure to you? Or is He just, is he just one... Like looking to see you get out of step. How do you see him today? Do you see him as a treasure? Listen, if you don't, something needs to change. If you don't see God as a treasure, something needs to change. You need spiritual sight. You need to discover he is a treasure, you know? Um, do, you, do you remember a time, do you, do you remember a time when you discovered something new that gave you joy? Um, I try to tell this story every year at Disciple Now. It's just like, it just, I just feel like I must tell this story. But when I was in sixth grade, um, back in the day, we did Disciple Now, and they did them co-ed. Can you believe that? It's crazy. And um, you're like, thank you, Lord, that they're not doing that anymore. I know, I know, right? And so when I was in sixth grade, we went into this home, and uh, the family's daughter was in college, Lee, and she had the girls on the third floor, and her boyfriend, Fred, nice name, Fred, he stayed in the basement with the boys, and Fred quickly became my childhood hero. How many of you heard this story? You've been around long enough. All right, it's about 10 of you, all right? Fred became my childhood hero because Fred rigged the intercom system so that we could hear what was going on on the third floor. Have you ever seen one of these houses, one of those old school intercoms? Do you know what I'm talking about? 
And I don't know how he did it, but Fred is the man. Forever and finally, Fred is the man because he rigs this thing. So we got the third floor slumber party coming in through the little box on the wall. And like, have you ever seen like a group of eight, sixth graders still and quiet? No, no. God made them very different than that, right? Like pillow fighting, like we played Nintendo back in the day, right? We were very active, but I promise you when we discovered this box on the wall that had the slumber party being piped through, we were still. And we were quiet because we discovered a joy that we had never known. (laughs) We heard everything. It was amazing. Well, we heard the girls plotting to come downstairs and scare us. You know, it's like in a snap. We're on the second floor, camped out behind the island in the kitchen. Do you know what I'm talking about? Can you see it? And so here we are. And you guys, it felt like a slow motion video, right? Like here the girls come down the steps. We see their shadows. And then we hear, it's going to be classic. It's gonna, oh, we're thinking, oh, it's going to be classic, all right, you know? And so we're like, five, four, three, two, one. We jump out, scare them. And they just go crazy, screaming crazy. One girl starts crying. <laughs> and we turn the lights on. And here come mom and dad. And they're like, what's going on? You know, never doing disciple now again, you know, right? And so... And so then they figure out, okay, we, Fred rigged the intercom system. Everything got explained, you know. And the one girl that started crying, she's like doing sloppy cry. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you're like, please, nobody take out your phone when I'm sloppy. Like you're like snot and it's just bad, right? And so we're like, hey, the joke's over. It's just us. Like, you know, and she's like, no, but you heard me tell them about, you know. And like, yeah, what? You know, you heard me tell them about a crush on Freddie T. And we're like, oh, no, we didn't hear that part. But thank you for the information, right? <laughs> we'll take that. We'll take that. So then, you know, she, like, the volume turns up a couple of notches, you know. But can you just visualize this with me just for a second? Like, in your mind's eye, can you just see me and eight of my sixth grade buddies huddled around this intercom? We discovered something that brought us great joy. And when we did, nothing else could allure us away. We weren't concerned with anything else. And we had to hear everything that was coming through that box. Listen, when we discover what a treasure the kingdom of heaven is, and when we discover how delightful the king of the kingdom of heaven is, we want to fix our heart on him. Every day, we want time with him. We want to spend time with him, listening to him and speaking to him and enjoying him. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and and sells all that he has. And so the third observation about the kingdom of heaven is this. It's joy empowers sacrifice. The joy that that we find in the kingdom of heaven empowers sacrifice. Sacrifice is a theme all throughout the sacred scriptures. This man, he finds the treasure, the king of he finds it in the field. He goes and sells all of it to secure what was best. All throughout the Old Testament, the theme of sacrifice is predominant. God's people, the way they related to him was to bring sacrifices. What is a sacrifice? A sacrifice is simply something that costs you something that causes pain. That's what a sacrifice is. 
And here's a man that he finds a treasure, the kingdom of heaven, and it's so valuable, and it's so good, that he's willing to sacrifice everything that he has to gain it. Um, when, you, when you trace through the scriptures, you see the story of sacrifice continues. This is what God did with his son. He sent Jesus to be a sacrifice. So now we no longer have to relate to God in order to approach him with sacrifices in hopes that our sacrifices are enough to appease him. The book of Hebrews says the blood of goats and bulls cannot satisfy God. It cannot purify us from our sin. It can't cleanse us from our sin. So there was this always pointing to Jesus. Jesus came as the ultimate sacrifice, gave his life for us, rose from the dead, conquered sin and shame in the grave, victorious over the enemy. And then God now invites us to live our life. In Romans 12, through the writings of Paul, he says, present your body as a living sacrifice. Not out of duty and obligation, but out of joy. Out of joy. Do you see it? This parable, it just packs this punch. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found covered up. Then in his what? Joy. He goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Do you, so do you see how backwards it is if you grew up in a Christianity that was all about duty and all about what you ought to do and all about what you should do and not about what you get to do and not about the privilege that it is to sacrifice and the privilege that it is to know God and how deeply pleasurable it is to have a relationship with God. Do you, do you see that? Perhaps for some of you, it's a paradigm shift in your mind and heart this morning. The joy that we find in Jesus empowers us to sacrifice. So let me ask you this morning, when's the last time you made a sacrifice for Jesus? When's the last time you made a sacrifice that cost you something so much that it was painful? When's the last time you, you can just, cat, you know what? I made a sacrifice here. It cost me something and it was painful. That's what a sacrifice is. And this man finds the treasure and enjoy, <laughs> enjoy, he sells all that he has. Listen, that's how good Jesus is. I want to just give you three pastoral applications of something that we may sacrifice today. And the first is make a sacrifice in, in giving, in giving. Um, many of you are so faithful to give. Uh, did you know we've got, we've got uh, close to $600,000 in our building fund today? Just amazing. Um, we've got land that we own because you, church, have given generously. Hallelujah, glory to God, way to go. $600,000 in a building fund is amazing. But here's what might not be amazing about that. What might not be amazing is that if the gifts that supplied the 600,000 weren't sacrificial. In other words, if they were gifts that just came out of the abundance and didn't cost us anything and, and cost us no pain to give it. In other words, God invites us to sacrifice, but not out of duty, not out of shame, not out of obligation, out of joy. That's why the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. And some of you, check this out, some of you, you've only given out of obligation. Can I tell you there's a better way? So you've only given because you thought you should. Can I tell you there's a better way? The Spirit of God can give you spiritual sights to see that Jesus is a treasure and not your money. And that kind of joy empowers sacrifice. When you realize the treasure that you have in Jesus, it opens up your hands from your, your financial resources. 
And you don't give out of obligation. You don't give out of duty. You don't give because the preacher got really loud that morning. You give because you want to. Out of the joy because you have found your treasure. And it's not your bank account. You see that? Um, so we, we're, we're in a series of, of small group meetings of just letting people kind of share with us what, what will be meaningful to them um, about a building. And um, just kind of getting input from the congregation, from leaders in the church and... and um, and so we were in a meeting last week, and uh, just a group of 12 people over lunch, and they were just sharing about what they, you know, what would be meaningful to them about a building. And, and we, we told them kind of the, the number of chairs we were thinking about in a worship center. And immediately they, they said, that's not going to be enough. And I said, well, I, I know, but like we may not be in a position where we just get to put however many chairs in a worship center we want. In, in other words, um, like with the pandemic, the cost of materials have gone up, um, the interest rates have gone up, you know. Um, and so, but this is the beautiful thing, is that if God sets our congregation free in generosity, just imagine this, if, just imagine this, if every person in this place not only was giving, but was giving sacrificially, we, we, probably, won't have a, we probably won't have a problem building the size facility that we need. Let me be clear, our goal is not to become the biggest church in town. Um, we're not trying to become six flags over Jesus, that's not who we are. Um, we... <laughs> We, we have a mission to multiply, right? So we want to see new churches planted out, out, of, out of our church. Um, and so, um, but Montgomery County is set to grow 90,000 people in the next 20 years. Uh, and so we, we want to steward what God has entrusted to us wisely. And we want to build adjacent to our church's property. Uh, it, it, it butts up to it. Um, there's, there's a plot of land where over 200 homes are being set to be built. We envision a sidewalk from this neighborhood connecting to a sidewalk on our property so that if people in that neighborhood want to walk to church, they can walk to church. But we want a facility big enough that they can have a place to sit. We're not talking about a huge facility, but it's really expensive to build a building. But here's what I believe. The Spirit of God moving in the hearts of the people of God unleashing us to generosity, not out of duty and obligation, but out of joy, man, that's going to be something beautiful. That's going to be something beautiful. So what sacrifice today, tomorrow, this year, next year, is God calling you to make to advance his kingdom? The more we see clearly what a treasure Jesus is, the more we're empowered to make a, a sacrifice. Um, so giving is one way, going is another way. For some of us, a sacrifice is going down that hallway, down into the kids' ministry. You're like, I don't want to do it. Did it for 10 years, done, check my box, I'm done. Let me just pour some, you know, whatever, I don't know, you know, right? Like, just done. For some of us, that's a, that's a sacrifice. For some of you, getting up early on the load-in team, it's just too much of a sacrifice. I love my sleep, I love my sleep. Um, for some of us, it's going into a ministry setting and beginning to serve. Um, next Saturday, our church is going to Waverly. 13 people are signed up. You know, why are they going to Waverly? What disaster relief from flooding. You're like, didn't that happen a long time ago? Yeah, they were devastated and they're still rebuilding. Church, I'm so thankful that we haven't forgotten about them and we're going. Um, we're going. It's a sacrifice to give up a Saturday, isn't it? Our most valuable asset is our time. So to give a whole Saturday, man, that's a sacrifice for some of us. But 13 folks already signed up. You can still go. Today's the last day to sign up to go on, on, to the Waverly Relief uh, team next Saturday. 
Um, We're hoping to go to London, England this summer to partner with our church planters there in Queens Park. The pandemic has been brutal for them. Right when they were starting their church, the pandemic shut it all down. They've been through five different lockdowns. They're absolutely wiped out, and yet the church continues to advance in Queens Park in Zone 2 in London. In July 1st-ish, the 1st-ish to the 9th-ish, we're going to take a team to partner with our church planters there on the ground in London. It's expensive to go on a mission trip like that. And so maybe going for you, that's going to be, that's going to be a, a, a sacrifice. Um, so amazing this morning to see four or five students stand up to say, I'm saying yes to the Lord to go into ministry and to go into missions. And my mind's just blown. God, you are calling your people. I, it's just a, beautiful to see. So where's God calling you to go sacrificially? Where's he calling you to go? You know, um, people go into difficult places on mission. They go into dangerous places on mission. And you may wonder, like, how do they do that? And, you know, and oftentimes in North America, like, parents try to talk, like, 20-year-olds out of going to difficult, hard places where they risk their lives. And do you know why that is? It's because we haven't yet discovered the treasure hidden in the field. And we treasure things more than Jesus. But when we see how good Jesus is and we begin to treasure him supremely, it empowers sacrifice in giving. It empowers sacrifice in going. In other words, I may go and sacrifice my life in a dangerous place for Jesus. And when people do that, they're just saying, I have a greater treasure than my life. My treasure is Jesus. He's more valuable to me than my life. He's the one that gave me eternal life. I can go and risk my earthly life because I know I have eternal life in Jesus. What a treasure he is, right? Um, So then lastly, just the last pastoral way that we can be empowered with this kingdom joy to sacrifice is by loving, loving, loving people. All of us have people that are so hard to love in our life, don't we? So hard to love. You're like, I got 10 right now. I can give you like their middle names, uh, right? That's how, that's how unlovable they are. That's how difficult to love they are. I know, what they, I know what color their hair is, what color their eyes are, how tall they are. That's how unlovable they are. Nightmares about that person. They're so unlovable. And he's sleeping right next to me. <laughs> now, like, let's just be honest, right? Some of you, you find yourself in a marriage and you just never dreamed it would be this hard. You just never thought it'd be this hard. You feel, like, you feel like life has dealt you a, a hand that it just wasn't what you thought it would be. And the hardest thing in your life is loving your spouse. That's the hardest thing. When you discover what a treasure Jesus is, the joy that we find in the kingdom of heaven empowers us to love unlovable people. For some of you, it's your boss. You just feel like he wakes up every day with like strategizing, how do I make my employees' lives miserable? For some of you, it's a coworker. And you just feel like, man, she calls it in every, she just mails, she just calls it in every day. It's so hard to love. It's so hard to love. Maybe it's a family member. You just feel like you just can't reason with this family member and they're so hard to love. Here's the beauty is sometimes loving people requires a painful sacrifice. A painful sacrifice. It costs you something to love them. It really does. It's an inconvenience. It's exhausting emotionally. It requires a lot of time that you don't want to give to it. It costs you something to love them. Um, But it's possible because there's a treasure hidden in a field 
called the kingdom of heaven. And when the Spirit of God gives you sight to see how good the treasure is, you, you begin to realize, I don't have to have that person's approval. I don't have to have my boss's praise. I, I want my wife's respect, but I don't have my wife's respect, but I do have the treasure the kingdom of heaven is. I have that, and that's better than being respected by my wife. I don't have my husband's love the way I want it, the way I deserve it, the way I'm longing for it, but I do have the love of the perfect, unfailing God, and that's a treasure to me. And that empowered the joy that I find in God's unfailing love. David said it in Psalm 63. He said, because the love of God is better than life. Better than life. Some of you right now, the Spirit of God is giving you spiritual sight to see, oh man, I get it. I see it. For the first time, I'm tasting and seeing how good he is. His love is better than life. When we taste and see, when we begin to drink from the fountain of living waters, we're empowered by this joy to sacrifice. Friends, I just want to tell you, for the rest of your life, you don't have to live a life of sacrifice out of duty. You don't have to live a life of sacrifice out of obligation. You get to live a life of sacrifice out of the overflow of joy that you find in God. That's possible for you. And you're like, Pastor, I'm just not there. I'm just not there. I feel like that's light years away. That's okay. His mercy is new every morning. His grace is sufficient for you. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. That's who our God is, and that's what he wants to do in your life. So you don't have to think about, like, where am I going to be in three years? Or where am I going to be in five years? You just have to say, Lord Jesus, I'm trusting you today. I'm trusting you today. And in this moment, I'm dependent upon your presence. And I believe, Lord, I believe you're this treasure. And I'm tasting, but I need you to... <laughs> I've seared my taste buds with sin for so many years. I need you, Lord, to, to give me an appetite for you. I need you to give me an appetite for you. Maybe you'll pray that today. Maybe the Lord will surprise you today. Maybe the Lord will blow you away today. Maybe you came here this morning not expecting much and maybe the living God has met you in a personal, life-changing, powerful way. We celebrate that today. We celebrate today. Would you pray with me, Father? We pray and we welcome your spirit. We welcome what you want to do in our life. We thank you, God. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you have purpose and meaning. We thank you that you hold it all in your hand. We pray by your grace, empower us by your spirit, Lord, to experience this joy that sets us free, that sets us free to, to sacrifice, to give, and to go, and to love. Oh, Lord, thank you for setting us free. And Lord, may we embrace the pain of sacrifice because we've tasted the joy. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. And all God's people said with a mighty roar, amen. amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's sing out, church. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.